This morning, scripture reading will be taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, <clears throat> verses 1 through 3. If you'd like to turn there. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. John 14, 1 through 6 was one of the passages mentioned. So if you would, open your Bible to that place. But before you go there, think a little bit with me about 2 Peter 1, verse 4, because it says that God has granted to us exceeding great and precious promises. If God had only given us John 14, 1 through 6, 2 Peter 1, verse 4 would be true. It's sort of like what was said long ago. It's sort of like what was said long ago. The half has not been told. The half has not been told. Now we're ready for John 14, 1 through 6 and what it has to say about heavenly promises. First of all, it's important to get something of the background. It is Thursday evening. By Friday morning, Jesus would be hanging on the cross. And if ever there were a time you would think that Jesus would be focused on what he needed to do and what he was about to do, you would think it would be in this particular time frame. And the fact that this teaching that is so comforting in John 14, 1 through 6 is given when it's given by the Lord when he's about to go through what he's about to go through makes it all the more astounding and yet at the same time it should surprise no one. When Jesus could have used a word of encouragement, he was busy giving words of encouragement and comfort. I got to tell you, he saw that the apostles were struggling. He saw that. And from their struggles, 
we see John 14, 1 through 6. Precious heavenly promises that help us when we struggle too. I'd like to focus on five precious promises given by Jesus in John 14. Precious promise number one. A precious remedy for an age-old problem. A precious remedy for an age-old problem. And the problem is heart trouble. Heart trouble. Look at John 14 and verse 1. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. A precious remedy for an age-old problem, heart trouble. Think of the word trouble with me here. Maybe you'll want to underline it. That word is found only 17 times in the New Testament. It means to be shaken. It means to be shaken. It means to be stirred up. It means to experience inner turmoil. It means that you don't know exactly what to do. Psalm 46 and verse 1 says that our God is a refuge and strength and a very present help in time of trouble. What I'd like for you to do is look in the last chapter, John 13. We're studying John 14. We'll go to John 13 for a moment and look at verse 21. And the same expression is used of Jesus. That he was troubled in spirit. He's troubled in spirit. And he understands that the apostles are troubled too. That they've got heart trouble. They're hurting. And there are a number of causes of this heart trouble. Jesus had said to them, he was going away. Didn't the apostles tell Jesus, we've left everything to follow you? And you're going away? Not only that, but Jesus has told them that he is going to bear an agonizing, shameful death. The death of the cross. Deuteronomy 21, 23. They are troubled as they hear these things. 
But Jesus doesn't stop. You know, do you ever get troubled when things keep mounting up that you understand are well beyond your ability to deal with? Shaken and stirred and in inner turmoil. When Jesus was troubled, he encouraged his followers to not be troubled because of what he was about to do. Think about this. John 13, 21 has one of the apostles betraying him. And the apostles have heard that one of you is going to betray me. Troubled hearts. Who is it? How on earth could anyone do such a thing? Then you have at the end of John chapter 13, Peter claiming to be loyal and sincere, and Jesus says, the night won't be over before you deny me. You see in John 14, 1, a precious remedy for an age-old problem heart trouble now notice what Jesus says let not your heart be troubled well Lord I don't want to but sometimes I still do ever feel overwhelmed you ever feel as if you're not going to be able to recover from being shaken and stirred and in turmoil when is it gonna end I guess in one sense, if we want to be a little bit cynical, we're going to always have to deal with times that shake us up, stir us up, and give us turmoil, and then we'll die. That's not what Jesus said, however. Here's what Jesus said. He said, believe in God. Believe also in me. That can be taken two ways. It can be taken this way. Since you believe in God, believe also in me. After all, you've never seen God, 1 Peter 1, 8, but you love him and have put your trust in him. You have seen me, God, man. I've come in the flesh, John 1, 1 through 18. You've seen me. Trust me. Believe in me. That's one way to put it. But the second way is that he's giving two commands, Brother Clay. You believe in God and well, you should. But I, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, am just as worthy of your trust and your faith as the Father himself. Trust me. Both of those ideas would be true, wouldn't they? Now, here's something I hope you'll think about. Unless you trust God and Jesus, you'll always feel overwhelmed by your troubles. Unless you truly trust God, 
and Jesus, the Son of God, you will always feel overwhelmed by your troubles. Jesus claims to deserve the trust that he is worthy of the trust that belongs only to God. Now let me put this in perspective. Don't let your hearts be troubled. But you're going to hear about and see things that are going to cause the angels of heaven to be silent. You're going to see me taken away to be tried. You're going to hear about how I was beaten and mocked and spat upon. You're going to hear of the one who betrayed me. And you're going to understand the one who denied me. And you will know that I would bleed and have nails in my hands and feet and a crown of thorns on my head. And I endure all of this so you don't have to have troubled hearts because you believe in God and you believe in me. And there must have been a hush in glory when Jesus was hanging on the cross. But I'm sure that the apostles' mouths dropped and they hushed too. And it must have gone through their minds. Jesus said just a little while ago, let not your heart be troubled. What are we going to do? We've been following him for three years. And this is how it ends. No, this is not how it ends. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now notice verse 2. Here's a second heavenly promise. The promise is this. There is a precious view of heaven. There is a precious view of heaven. There is a precious remedy against an age-old problem, heart trouble. And there is a precious view of heaven. There are three words that stand out in John 14, verse 2. My father's house my father's house sometimes heaven is spoken of as a country like in Hebrews 11 because of its vastness and size Revelation 21 and 22 kind of depicts something of the vastness of glory of heaven sometimes heaven is spoken of as a city because of its inhabitants People of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Revelation 7 verses 9 and 10. Sometimes 
Heaven is spoken of as a kingdom because of its king and because of the order that exists in the kingdom. Sometimes heaven is spoken of as a paradise or as a garden because of its phenomenal, incomprehensible beauty. As precious as all of those ways of speaking of heaven are, I don't think any of them are greater than my father's house. My father's house. That has to do with heaven is going to be family. The family nature of heaven forever in the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And when you read John chapters 13 through 17, 53 times the Father is referred to in my Father's house. The beloved King James says there are many mansions you may have the expression rooms or dwelling places. Actually, the expression is found only one more time in the New Testament, right here in John 14. In John 14 and verse 23, it says that the Father and the Son will make their home their abode in us. While there are plenty of passages that talk about the wealth and the beauty of heaven, John 14 and verse 2 isn't. It's talking about the provision and the roominess. There will be many rooms, many rooms in the Father's house now you stop and think about that. If you got more than one kid, you'd like to have a room for your kids. And the older your children get, the more they want their own room. And they long for the day that somebody gets old enough to move out so that they can have their own room, their own space. You'll never have to worry about there being room. You ever wanted to stay with family but you couldn't because there wasn't room? Seemed like Joseph and Mary had a problem along that line. No room for them anywhere. In my Father's house are many rooms. And then notice what he says. If it were not so, I would have told you. Oh, God's provision and the roominess of heaven and being in the presence of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. What a view of heaven. My Father's house and yours too, if you're in Jesus. Third, look at verse 3. We have a precious promise of good to come. A precious promise promise of good 
to come. Notice what Jesus says. Number one, I go to prepare a place for you. Number two, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. See that? I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Third, I will receive you unto myself. Fourth, that where I am, there you may be also. My Father's house should be my motivation, my perspective. We talk to the young people and pew packers, pew packers living my life and going to heaven. Being in our Father's house with Father, Son, and Spirit forever. My Father's house. Here's some encouraging news, though. I go to prepare a place for you. Sometimes we miss this. Jesus going to prepare a place, and I hear some of us who preach and teach deal with, I go to prepare a place for you. God's still working on the rooms of heaven. I know he was a carpenter by trade when he was on earth, Brother Bill, but this must be a massive undertaking if the very Son of God is still busy. The, wor the world was spoken into existence by God. Creation itself. The church was begun by Jesus, the family of God. So don't have the idea that Jesus got a hammer and nails and is in a big remodel job. I go to prepare a place for you. I go where? Where I'm going to be going in the next few hours. I go to the cross. I go to the cross and I bear your sins. And this will prepare the place that we have designed for you where there's many, many rooms. And you can be with the Father, with me, and with the Holy Spirit and the saved of all the ages forever. That's what he's saying. I will receive you to myself when I return. Four statements... I prepare a place for you, I will come again, I will receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. That covers, in four statements, the rest of time. The rest of time. And while we are here, we are preparing ourselves to be in his presence, the presence of God, eternally. Now, look at verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5 are a precious word of encouragement. A precious word of encouragement. Jesus says... And where I go, you know. And the way I go, you know. So 
sometimes Jesus speaks better of us than we do ourselves. It's amazing how those of us who think more highly of ourselves than we ought sometimes have to be humbled. And those who think less of themselves than they ought need assurance, need encouragement. Where I'm going, you know, the way I, you know. And then here comes Thomas. Here comes Thomas. Thomas is a man of courage and loyalty. I hear people not Thomas all the time with the expression doubting Thomas. Have you ever doubted? Have you ever been rocked and troubled and shaken and stirred up and in turmoil that you didn't think you'd ever be rid of? In John chapter 11, John is ready to go with Jesus and to die. That's pretty loyal. You kind of wonder if any of the other 11 would, would have said that exactly the way he did. In John chapter 20, imagine if you had missed the resurrection appearance of Jesus, would you be a little skeptical? Reckon you would, Waylon? The other 11 saw it, but you weren't there to see it. What I'm saying is Thomas was endowed with a sense of apprehension. <laughs> Maybe you are endowed with a sense of apprehension sometimes too, even though at other times you are very, very loyal and dedicated to the Lord. Nobody would question your willingness to die for the Lord and think about this. I'm glad that the apostles were having heart trouble because we would not have been given John 14 if that wasn't Jesus' response to their heart trouble. Aren't you glad we got John 14? Get an amen there? But I am glad also that Thomas had an endowment or sense of apprehension. I, I don't know. What he says to Jesus is this. He says, we don't know where you're going and we don't know how to get there. You just said where I'm going, you know. And the way you know, we don't know where you're going. It's one of the great things about Jesus. You know, the Bible says, preach the word with all long suffering and instruction. 2 Timothy 4.2. He'd been saying, 
I am going back to the Father. I am going back where I came from. John is full of that type of language in the gospel accounts. He's full of that. I'm going back to the Father who sent me. And he's basically said, unless I go and do what I'm about to do and go back to be with my Father, it's not like I'm going to be isolating myself from you. I'm going to be sending my Spirit to you. And I'm going to be interceding for you by the Father. And here's what Jesus will do, and it's number five. Jesus gives us a precious description of himself. Now see, this, this great passage on comfort comes because of the trouble of the apostles. And this great passage on the identity of Jesus comes as a response to sort of a goofy question. We don't know where you're going. We don't know how to get there. But what Jesus says is, I am the way. Without Jesus, there's no going anywhere, not really. I am the way. When I don't know what direction to take, when I am confused, when I'm at the end of my rope, Jesus is the way. He doesn't just provide the way, he is the way. And so whenever we don't know where to go, what Jesus is saying, Thomas, you know me. We've been together. You've heard my preaching and teaching. You've witnessed the miracles. You've heard me talk about what I was going to do. I am the way. Secondly, Jesus says, I am the truth. Sound people really emphasize the truth. And by sound, I mean spiritually healthy. But a person can emphasize truth without being spiritually healthy. But a person cannot be spiritually healthy without emphasizing Jesus. I am the truth. Every word that I say is true. I am the God who's the way. I am the God who's the truth. I don't know what I'm going to do. There, there's so many possibilities out there. There's so many, uh, there's so many conflicting ideas. Jesus says, I am the truth. The Son of God and the Word of God sure shed a lot of light on cultural issues. Notice lastly, Jesus says, I am the life. Yes, Jesus gave us a way, Jesus gave us his truth, and Jesus gives us eternal life. But he's saying more than that, y'all. And he's using terminology that any good Jew would understand. I am. I am. I am. And they couldn't help but think about the God who is the great I am. The way, 
the true I don't know who gave this as one of the passages we need to look at, but thank you. But I want you to see what John 14 does as we close. John 14 opens with heart trouble and the call to trust in God and to trust in Jesus. Now notice the end of the chapter, near the end, John 14 Verse 27, which is another passage somebody mentioned as a favorite passage. The passage concludes with heart trouble, but calls on us to know God's peace in Jesus. And all of this was happening just before Jesus went to the garden, went to be tried, and went to be crucified. All we can do is marvel at how thoughtful our God is. If you are not in Jesus through faith, repentance, and baptism, you have your sins washed away and can be added to the church of Jesus Christ. We make no apologies for speaking of the church of Christ because his blood bought and paid for it. Acts 20 and verse 28. We make no apologies because he promised to build his church and he said the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 16 through 19. If you want peace and a remedy for your heart troubles... Don't try to look anywhere else. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Let us stand and sing.